0: Well, and welcome to sort of the month of gratitude, a month when we kind of in preparation for Thanksgiving, yes, but you might among your friends or family or see on social media every day people posting something they're grateful for. And so I'm wondering, welcome to this month, uh, what are some things that you're grateful for this morning? Life? This church? church? Yeah. Your husband? Yeah. Yeah. The opportunity to vote, absolutely. The freedom and opportunity for friends, yeah. Say that. You're grateful for bad things, all things, yeah. Those things that God uses in a way, doesn't cause, but uses in a way that um, we can have the victory in Christ over and be strengthened and, and, yeah, refined, yeah, giving thanks in all things. Yeah, I'm grateful for this church family. Definitely, in so many ways. Just this morning, people stepping up and uh, buying candles when we had something missing and helping me with, with my kids and getting them upstairs. And it is a family and a group effort, and I am so grateful for you, the Saints of Revolution Church. Yeah. So we're launching a new teaching series this morning in which we are going to be practicing this gratitude, but I want to do it in a way that focuses us on the ways uh, that God has been at work and been present and leading and guiding us, and I believe impacting the community through us, of giving thanks for one another here among this church family, sort of despite all that we have been through this year. And even for the bad things, giving thanks. In spite, despite, because of all the things that we have been through, we have still been the church. And we have still seen God show up. We have still impacted our community. And so I want us to celebrate. I want us to celebrate this month. I want us to give thanks. I want us to glorify God because of these things. How God has sustained us and led us, and still changed lives. And so that's what we're going to do this month, of grateful for, kind of dot, 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 grateful for all of it. And so we're going to celebrate, we're going to give thanks, and the passage of Scripture that's going to ground us over the next several weeks comes from Philippians, chapter 1, it might be familiar to some of you. Look at this, I got so excited. Philippians chapter 1, and this is the beginning of the chapter, Verses 1 through 11, I'm going to read that for us here this morning. Thanks be to God, it worked. You don't even realize what a small miracle that is. We're just going to pause and give thanks. Give glory to God. Okay. That your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This may be my favorite opening to any letter that Paul writes to one of his partner churches because it has a different tone. If you've studied Philippians before, you may remember that it's known as sort of the little book of joy. Four chapters marked by joy and thanksgiving and friendship. And it has this different tone because it's very clear that Paul knows these people in Philippi really well. He says, I yearn for you. I'm I'm praying for you. Um, I, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. There's friendship here that he's celebrating as he writes back to thank them for the ways that they've supported him in his ministry. And unlike in other sort of uh, letters that he has written where he might be addressing a particular division in the church or a particular issue that this uh, community might be facing, instead it reads sort of as a thank you letter, a thank you note to his friends. And I love that about Philippians He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Another translation would say, I thank God every time I think of you. Do you have people like that in your life? Where every time you think of them, or maybe that's a good practice this month, right? Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God for the gift of that relationship. Whether, whether living or past, maybe someone who's passed on, every time you think of them. But I especially love how Paul begins this letter by saying, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Oops, go back one. Spoiler alert. Can you go back one for me, Debbie. Don't read that yet. (laughs) He begins it by saying to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were at Philippi. That is, the whole assembly, all of the people gathered here, all of those believers, the ekklesia, he doesn't actually use that word in Greek. He doesn't use the word that we know of as church. Instead, he says to all the saints, it's similar to what he's done in other letters like in the Corinthians and to the Romans where he says to the church in Rome and all of the saints gathered there that are trying to sort of live their life modeled after Christ. But I love that he addresses them this way. Because I don't think we always think of saints as ones who are still living you know, And he could have addressed this letter in lots of different ways. He could have addressed it to one particular person or a, or a leader or, or an elder there. He could have written directly to a bishop, telling him what to say to his flock and what to do next. This is still pretty early in church history where a lot of these offices haven't quite been formed. But he could have exercised some chain of command, have passed this on, read it to the assembly. But instead, he, direct, he addresses it directly to all of the saints. All of the saints. All of those members in the household of God who are through Christ trying to follow this Jesus way. This Jesus way in the world and be holy. Right? This promise of being sanctified through Christ. Now, Amy Oden writes this the gospel is no lone ranger enterprise, it's a partnership for all the saints the whole church. This is something Paul knew very well, something he knew very well in order for him to have accomplished everything that he did, his missionary journeys, the planting of all those churches everywhere that he went. He didn't do that alone. Yes, he often had someone traveling with him, but the truth is he was supported by other churches and we're going to look more into what we mean by this partnership in the gospel because he says that, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this from this first day until now, from the first day until now. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at what he actually means there, this partnership in the gospel, this sharing together, in the mission of Christ, even as he was the only one sort of that went out and planted some of these churches in his missionary journeys. But this is something Paul knew really well. We don't do this alone. This mission of Christ, it's an enterprise for all of the saints, including the living saints, those active in the church right now. Amy Oden continues, and she says this The claim that we all share in the gospel is a key narrative for Christian life, especially when so much Christian culture seems to focus on individual salvation. The good news of Jesus, our experience of God's love and grace, is not an individual possession, but a communal reality that God is enacting all the time in which we are invited to participate. I'm going to say that part again. The good news of Jesus is not an individual possession, but a communal reality. Our salvation, we know, is not something that we can earn and gain and then own and hoard. And yet we focus so much on the individual experience of it. In Paul, in most of his writings, and the way of Jesus, it's enacting and inviting us into a new communal reality of the kingdom of God. Instead of focusing on individual individuals, Paul calls attention to the community, all the saints, who together share in the gospel. That means sharing alike in the joys and in the suffering of our common life on behalf of God's love for the world. That's something we attempt to live out here at Revolution Church where we want to be like a family, sharing in the joys and concerns and burdens of life, holding one another accountable as we leave this place to glorify Christ in all that we do, and to be the revolution. All of the saints, together as a community, share in the gospel. Now, this might not have been such a a brand new idea for the early church, because they were brand new. (laughs) So to call the saints living might not feel as odd as it might for us today because when we say saints, you might think of those who have officially been canonized or those who have been martyred or those who have died and gone on before us. And while that is true, as United Methodists who believe in this sort of communion of the saints, we also include in those the living saints as well. And that's hard for us, maybe, because you might think of a saint as those almost holier than everyone else. Nearly perfect in their earthly life by their words, uh, their, by their works of mercy or their, or their piety. or Only those kind of who've passed on to the next life. But the truth is, we are a part of that great communion of saints. This church, this place, we've said this before, it's a house for sinners and saints. A place for people to come and struggle in their faith to find redemption, forgiveness and healing and to keep going. We are all a part of that great communion of saints, not because we are perfect, Not because we've earned some higher holy status that people can elevate and and look to. But we are a part of this communion because we have faith. Because of the faith of Jesus Christ and the trust and hope and assurance we have in him. The 14th century mystic Meister Eichhardt says this, do not think that saintliness comes from occupation. It depends rather on what one is. The kind of work we do does not make us holy, but we make it holy. I would say Christ at work in us, sanctifying us, makes us holy. We are among those living saints who have shared in the gospel together through our partnership. Our partnership together as a family of our prayers and our presence and our gifts and our service and our witness. This church, revolution. And I thank God every time I think of you. In all my remembrance of you. And the ways that we have shared in this gospel mission together together. Not just this year, but throughout our whole time together as a church. Yes, in the weeks to come, we're going to focus on our ministries and missions this year and the ways that we have shared in that gospel. But I thank my God in all remembrance of the whole 13 years. But you know, and I know, we did not get here on our own. As Amy Oden said, the gospel is no lone ranger enterprise. It's a partnership for all the saints. So we didn't get here on our own, but we have been informed by and surrounded by and encouraged by other people. That great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us to inform that faith. As Daryl mentioned this morning, today in the universal church is a day that we celebrate All Saints Day. And it's a tradition where we celebrate that great cloud of witnesses for those who have gone before us and set an example of the faith that still informs us and encourages us today. It's those words from Hebrews 12 that say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. As I said, we confess in our Apostles' Creed this belief in this communion of saints that even as we gathered here to worship and pray, that somehow there's this like overlap with the great kingdom of those who have gone before us who are around the throne right now worshiping Jesus, that we are somehow joining in with that great cloud of witnesses and worshiping Jesus Christ, our Lord. That gathering of the saints comes from all times and places, stretching back to the early church, to those more famous saints, to those that have been officially canonized, the names that you might know, to everyday saints, to the living saints, to the ones we even personally knew, and the ones who have passed away from our church family this year. Today is a day in the life of the church where we can pause, name those names, and give thanks to God for our remembrance of them. For the way that their faith, their witness, and their love impacts us still today, whether they've passed or whether they're still here with us. I've used it before in a teaching on all saints of this kind of idea from Hebrews 12 of this, you know, kind of running our race with perseverance, so like don't give up. You know, you're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses. And I love that image because you picture, you know, those people that have run the race and gone before and, and Jesus is the one at the end, right? Keep your eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. But it's this idea that, that after they've finished their race, they come back around and they stand along the sidelines, and they cheer you on as you go. It's like what Matt does for me whenever I run a race, because I'm about, I don't know, 30 minutes depends on how long the race is, right? I'm a lot farther behind Matthew Edward Wallace than he is. And so he runs it, and he finishes it, and then he comes back around, and he stands on the side, and he cheers for me. And sometimes, like in my first half marathon this was so many years ago. My, fir- my third half marathon, actually, it was my PR. And I believe the only way that I was able to get under two hours in this half marathon eight years ago, <laughs> Rachel hadn't done that again. <clears throat> she not gonna either. <laughs> yeah, different stage of life, different priorities. It's fine. <laughs> the only way that I was able to get that PR that day is because Matt, not only, he actually didn't run that race that day. Well, he did, but he wasn't supposed to. Uh, He was like, uh, it was one of those where you you get dropped here, and then you run 13.1 miles, and you're just here. And so all your stuff and your gear, your water, your backpack, you just have to rely on kind of water stops along the way, unless you're married to Matthew Edward Wallace, who enjoys running. And he instead would run about a mile ahead and stop and wait give me something out of my backpack, and then run another couple miles. So imagine, so sweet, so wonderful, but imagine all the people I'm running with, kind of in my little, like, we're trying for the same pace. They're like, who, the, who is this guy that keeps passing us and then stopping and then passing us again, you know? He was like a pace setter for me. He was someone running along the race with me. So I love that image because you have sort of the saints that have gone before who come back around and cheer you on, that great cloud that surrounds us, but we also have our living saints that are running the race with us. Stopping to give you one of those little gel things that are so gross that you only eat when you're running, right? Or a water stop or encouragement or you can do it. And when I give him that look, it's he knows to stop talking because we're about to go up a hill, Right? You know that you have people in your life and we hope and pray that they're in this church and your small group and your Bible study group and your family where they know just by the look on your face what you need. You need encouragement. You need prayer. You need space. You need someone to come pick up your kids because you're just about whooped. You need someone to come sit with you in the hospital or bring you meals after you get home. You need to know that you are not alone. You need people to show up for you in those moments of life when you just can't. The communion of all the saints. So today is a day when we can pause and we can give thanks to God in all our remembrance of our saints who yes have gone before us and have passed on to glory. And also honor those who are running the race with us now and say, Thank you, God, that we are not alone. Here during our communion time, I'm gonna invite you for to an opportunity um, to have that moment and to light a candle in honor of or in memory of someone who has a saint for you, who has informed your faith, has, who has encouraged you, who has made you the person that you are today. Maybe it's to light a candle for someone that you've lost this year, and to say, thank you, God, for this, your servant. Maybe it's to light a candle for someone who's passed a long, long time ago, but they were so integral in your life and in your faith a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, a friend, whoever it is, that you light a candle in memory of them and say, thank you, God, for this, your servant. Or maybe it's to light a candle for someone here running alongside of you in honor and in thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for this, your servant. When you come up for communion, you can simply just come to the center table here and light as many candles as you want. For as many names that you can say aloud or silently speak as you say a word of thank you, we have a taper on either side that you can use to light a tea light here, as many as you'd like. And as is tradition, It's not something that we've had to do very often, but as is tradition, as part of our church family, I will start by inviting us to take a moment to remember those saints, the one one that we have lost this year from our own church community. Some of you might not know and some of you might remember that Tom Wine passed away in April. He was here on April 16th, our very first Sunday in this space, and we didn't see him again. He had a very short battle with pancreatic cancer, and he passed away surrounded by his, his family after about two weeks from that diagnosis. He attended our church for many years He began as he came over with the Boy Scout troop from Southeast Christian several years ago, and he came and he he stayed. And since then, he had become a leader, serving on SPR, uh, teaching in our Monday night Bible study group, leading in many ways. I think he's most remembered for his servant's heart, the one that was always willing to show up early or stay late and to clean up, to set up tables, to tear down. But I think he found his most joy behind the grill. He was our grill master. He was our grill master. And in fact, if you remember our Palm Sunday celebration, I don't remember the date, It was before the storm, the week before the storm, our last grill at our location on Bluegrass Parkway. I emailed him. He'd been sick, and he didn't know why. But he said, yes, I would love to be the grill master for our Palm Sunday celebration. And so he came. And he needed to sit down. (laughs) But he did it. And so I give thanks to God today for his steady presence in our community, for his humility, for his wisdom, for someone who didn't use their public elected position for their own personal glory or gain, but quietly walked the walk. And so, when I think of someone like in Philippians 2, when Paul talks about complete my joy to be of the same mind, having the same love, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, I thank God today for the example of Christ's humility that I saw reflected in Tom Wine. Because I believe he reflected back to us that image of God and that wisdom and that humility. Of Christ and so this morning I light our first candle in remembrance and thanksgiving for the witness of Tom wine thank you God for this your servant Would you pray with me? We bless your holy name, O God, for all your servants who, having finished their course, now rest from their labors. Give us grace to follow the example of their steadfastness and faithfulness to your honor and glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.